Hi, my name is Aisha Small. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Youth and Education podcast, where I interview interesting guests to explore developments in education, research and policy that affect young people, primarily in the UK. This podcast is brought to you by the Youth Think and Action Tank, LKM Co. Hello and welcome to episode 12 of the LKM Co Youth and Education podcast. This episode features Rob Webster. Rob is the director of Maximising the Impact of Teaching Assistance project and also the co-director of the SEND in Secondary Education or SENSE study. This episode is specifically of interest to people who are interested in the effectiveness of teaching assistance and also in strategies to help students with um, additional and special educational needs and how they might achieve. Rob was a lot of fun to talk to, um, so I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. Also, something I've been meaning to do for some time is to thank the people who've been sharing the podcast and recommending the podcast and talking about the podcast. So a few people I noticed are you, Mr. Andrew Peterson. Thank you for retweeting the podcast via Twitter. Also you, Miss Afia Ahmed. Um, Afia especially liked the previous episode of the LKM Co podcast, so um, episode 11, I think, that I did with Sam, Dr. Sam Bars, where we were talking about white working class boys. And Afia said that, um, thank you, it will help me with my social justice module for her masters. So I'm glad you're finding it useful. If you have any feedback or any requests, then do let me know. You can contact me on Twitter um, or any of the LKM Co team, so at LKM Co. Or you can drop me an email. My email is Aisha, that's I E S H A at lkmco.org LKM co-believe society should ensure all children and young people receive the support they need to make a fulfilling transition to adulthood find us at lkmco.org can we listen to it now mr rob webster how you doing? I'm all right. <laughs> How are you? Very, very good. Okay, so Aisha sitting here with Rob today. Rob is the director. The director. Uh, Maximising the impact of teaching assistance project, and also the co-director of uh, special educational needs in the secondary education study. First off, Rob, SEN or SEND? What should we use? Ooh, um, SEND. Yeah. Shall we? Yeah. Just checking. Okay. You know, kind of... That's that's an interesting one because I I think at some point in time, I just I went for the SEND thing because I think I saw everybody else do it. But that was after we decided to name the project the Sense Project. So I had to sort of I can't put I can't I can't be Sense Project. No, fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, so we'll go for SEND here, but um, we appreciate that it's the Sense study. So first question is, can you explain? Well, you've kind of got two roles, but can you explain what your role is? Um, okay, so I've, um, I guess in the last few years I've had uh, two roles here, um, and I, I tend to refer to it as, a, as, a, as an R&D job, really. Um, so the research side of things, which most recently has been um, with the, the SENSE study, and then the development side of things, which is what we've been doing through the Maximise the Impact of Teaching Assistance work, which is... Um, building on the research, the, the various research projects that we've done, and try to um, 
get that information into schools in a way that schools can readily engage with it, make sense of it, and then act on it so to, to try and alleviate and mitigate some of the problems that have been raised by the research, but also some of the solutions that have been prompted by it as well. Why SEND? Why teaching assistants? You know, what's the link for you? Um, probably as a result of um, probably started sort of personal experience of having worked as a, a TA as an LSA, um, which would have started about um, oh my life uh, ten nearly twenty years ago I think now I first first uh, got a part time job in a in a secondary school as an LSA. Um, and that was always work I, I kind of enjoyed. I didn't think I, I thought a huge amount about it. I just sort of got on and, and did it. But um, I think some of the, 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 the issues that then, then came out in the research that, that, that I've been involved with were, you know, thinking back, they were, they were there when I was working. And actually, they probably bothered me at the time, but not in a way that I perhaps saw or perhaps you know, just sort of thought, oh, that's just... That's just a job, right? I just have to kind of get on with it. What kind of... Like, um, can you give an example? Yeah, uh, I think the... the um, so we talk a lot from the research that, that we've done, um, the, the sort of experience that TAs have of working in school, about going into lessons blind. Okay, and you talk to TAs and they will say exactly... In fact, they will use those words. You, know, you go in to the lesson not knowing exactly what you're going to be doing who you're working with, what the tasks are going to be, what the expectations the teacher has. And that was, um, yeah, it was very much my own experience. So it was, it was interesting um, through, through the research side of things, come back to it some years later as a researcher looking at this particular topic to kind of be finding things that you know, resonated for me, you know, sort of 10 years previous. Um, and I think, I think the, the, the sort of interest is you know, partly on the basis that I was doing that kind of work in, in schools and that was quite interesting and then I went on to do a postgraduate, um, a master's course in social policy where I was, was interested in the, the sort of the policy creation and po uh, process. I think at some point I thought you know I've got to, I ought to sort of write about what I know and by that point I was on to my sort of second or third gig as a, as a TA, this time in a primary school and the wider context 2001, 2, 3, 4, around that was this sort of embedding of some workforce reforms and some work, designed expressly to try and get around teacher workload issues um, and the greater role for support staff that there were in doing that. So I was actually sort of studying the policy process of something that I was actually doing. I was doing. I was in somehow involved with, you know, it was an odd sort of, you know, two interesting kind of worlds to sort of flit between and that was never a I never planned it that way it just mm. sort of you know I think the interest then grew out of that and alongside that as you, you were doing my um, my masters was um you know the heavy component was research methods and it turned out that I quite enjoyed that <laughs> so I was kind of looking for my first gig my first research post and that was here and that was 12 years ago and that was on um, the deployment impact of support staff project, which was looking at um, in a much kind of much bigger scale, the kinds of things that I was looking at in my own dissertation. You know, so I was interested in how teaching assistants seem to be implicated in a in, in the delivery of a policy. You know, you could see the way in which TAs were were sort of used 
um, and how that was going, you know, to what extent that was kind of leaking into to teaching and all of the kind of things that were, you know, at the time sort of the debates around that, so the unions, for example, were you know, some were sort of more exercised than others around that. But it was a whole interesting policy debate. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that kind of landed me here, um, and I've been clinging on by my fingernails ever since. <laughs> so my immediate thought when I realised I was going to come and talk to you today was, you know, what were your thoughts about TAs and apprenticeships, and might, that, might there be some blurring in that way because schools may use them in a similar way? I don't know what your thoughts were about that. But in terms of, the, in terms of what you're talking about with the, the apprenticeships, it's, um, I mean, even today... Um, I think it was I think it was the TESS actually have done some commission to survey and um, about a third of teaching assistants that took their survey uh, report having a degree and are interested in teaching and a fifth of them uh, a fifth of the teaching assistants currently in the system are actually teachers heading the other way you know stop being teachers and come and being TA so the whole sort of composition of that workforce is looking a little bit different and I think it'd be really interesting to have a a more thorough survey on it, particularly if we are um, looking at a lot more teachers in that. But I think, I mean, the broader point, I think, which is why the surveys like that are, are important, is because it, it reminds us that, you know, we really do need to think about the supply, the supply problem that we have with teachers and getting enough teachers in the system and in the pool and retention and all the rest of it. Actually, there are a, a huge number of people in, in schools currently, in teaching assistant roles, who are more than capable of becoming teachers and want to become teachers. And it puzzles me a bit why, all, why the, the conversations are always around other things, you know, to, to apprenticeships and, um, you know, uh, you know, you know wh- why don't we kind of look at you know, what's kind of in front of us and, 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 and try to sort of actually come up with a proper route that recognises the value of that, of what teaching assistants have to bring, and maybe you know, bringing that through rather than relying on saying, well, you can always apply to do a PGC, or you can always apply to do this, but actually you know, sort of br- you bring the esteem of, of, of that up a bit and, and you know, try to, to, to find a route in. The, the, I mean, the potential there is enormous. If, that, if, if those results that the, the tests are, are pointing at or anything to go by, you know, that could add tens of thousands of new teachers to the system every year. TAs are a different thing from, from teachers, they, they ought to be. Yeah, that's a good point actually, it's, um, you know, there is a, a part of the kind of raising the esteem, I think, of that part of the workforce is to, to, to not think of them as replacement teachers or, or cheap teachers on the cheap, but actually having a role that is really important in school, we can really develop it and we can develop it in a way that you know, TAs almost have their own sort of um, essentialness within and uniqueness within the system. So we can really sort of pin down, um, you know, what they're what they're contributing, and you know how we really couldn't survive without them. You know, I think you know, it's what is it? It's Monday today. If we if the DFE announced, you know, at tea time that all the all the all the TAs in the school, all the, all the TAs in the country, you know, we're going to pull them out of school on Tuesday. We wouldn't make it to Friday. I know primary schools would definitely have issues. Yeah, absolutely. We, yeah, yeah, we yeah. wouldn't. We wouldn't get. We wouldn't get to, to Friday. You know, we just schools would would close down. You know, we have seen it on a small scale with um, strikes in 
certain parts of the country where TAs were, you know, protesting about sort of levels of pay and, and, and so on. Um, yeah, schools have sent letters home and said, we're closing because mm. we can't open without them. And the reason being was they're so essential to our SEN provision. And I think that's very revealing, actually. If it's, if it's saying, you know, we can't, we, we, we can't have children with, with special, you know, special needs in, in our school... Um, sorry, no, we can't, we, can't have, um, we can't have them in without the TAs being in. That tells you something about how this, the school are managing, you know, without, without, uh, and the essentialness of the TAs. So one thing I wanted to ask you about this, and it kind of links to the report, is there's something that jumped out for me about segregation and streaming for SEND mm. pupils. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what you found from the research, and I'm going to link it to what you were just saying about kind of TAs being essential for that. Right, sure. Um, I think I mean the, I think the useful place to start is in the, the with the uh, with the study um, there was a primary element and a, uh, sorry research in the primary schools and research in secondary schools and in the primary schools the the, the separation looks different it's essentially you've got mixed attaining classes all the children together and the TAs are part of a a, a system if you like of of, of, of the separation system. This isn't their doing, it's just how they're sort of used in, in service of um, trying to sort of manage and keep those children in, in the classroom uh, or even in the school. So it was um, one of the kind of key things around the separation point in primary with the, about a quarter of the, the time the children with the statements were actually outside of the classroom. Um, so that was a, that was quite a, that was quite revealing, and um, given did, that we did that would, surprise you at all, or were you expecting it, that? It, the the extent of it did. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't surprising to see it. I think what was surprising was it is if it's a quarter of their time on the scale that we were working, having we we track these children over the course of a week. You know, we're talking a day a week outside of the, the classroom, not a solid day, but just sort of you know in aggregate mm. a day a week. So. That's that's a that, that's a long you know, that's a long time. That's a lot less teaching, you know, if you're a child with a, with a statement. In the secondary schools, so you don't you don't have that situation. The secondary schools, kids aren't out of the classroom; they're just in different classrooms. So it's more a separation by ability, and I, I use ability advisedly because I mean, in the report we talk about attainment, mm. um, but the language that was used by the by the the people in the study, the teachers and the teaching assistants and the senkos that we talked to, ability came out over and over again. Even actually in the, 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 the young people, you know, so mm. year nine kids, so what's that, 13, 14 years yeah, old, they talk about, yeah, they're, they're very aware of the, the fact that they are in the bottom set and the bottom group and the lowest group and, and so on. So they, they're kind of, they can, they're aware of what's going on, but the, the when we concluded it was a, a form of, streaming that was going on because um, and it's interesting how it plays out across the different subjects so the children with the statements were in these lower attaining class 84% of the time when it was English and maths and science if you add in the other subjects that make up the EBAC you know the humanities and the language it's it's still high it's 77% you know, so, so three quarters of their time are in these lowest groups or lower attaining groups so so there's a similar trend for the average attaining kids. You know, if, if, the, if, the, if, the, if, if the, the, the kids with SCN are in the lower groups, and you know, by definition there are, there are other groups, there are higher attaining groups, there's um, average attaining groups. 
Um, so there's not a lot of mixed attainment teaching, um, and where you tend to Is see that it... even in subjects, uh, like, <coughs> so my subject's maths, mm. so even in, I'm saying something like history or whatever, even there? Yeah, yeah, the, on, on, on basis of these data, you know, we're just, just separating, out, separating out the EBAC subjects, um, the humanities, you're seeing it there as well. It's slightly, it's ever so slightly less, but it's still pretty, pretty marked. And if there is any, or rather where you see the mixed attainment teaching, it's more likely to be in the, the arts, technology, subjects, so what you might call the, the non-academic subjects. So there's an interesting something going on there in terms of uh, schools perhaps being driven by, you know, the, the, the setting bit is partly being driven by the, you know, the pressure to produce results. And that's, mm. not, that's not a new thing. By any stretch of the imagination, there's research that goes back 50, 60 years that you know that tells us that splitting out children on the basis of you know attainment or ability um, and streaming and setting and 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 tracking is all is it's great if you're in the high attaining groups and all the positive affirmation that comes with being the best and you tend to get the better teachers thrown at you and uh, and all the rest of it. It's great for those, but it's you know, disproportionately affects the children in the lower attaining sets who tend to have the um, sometimes the teachers who are less good or less effective. Um, they see greater turnover in terms of teachers. So my uh, question to you related to that and related to what you're saying is, you know, we already spoke about how if TAs were to go on strike, for example, that schools might not be able to cope, they'd mm. collapse basically, and because TAs are so essential to the provision of SEND students. Um, but then, you know, you've got arguably the most vulnerable students mm. in a school taught by a population of people who are enthusiastic and like their jobs and so on and so forth, but you could argue are the least skilled in order of delivering subject knowledge. Um, you know, what are your views about that? And kind of, yeah, just what are your views about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you've... you've yeah, you've laid it out quite, quite um, you know, succinctly and starkly <laughs> there. You know, you've you've kind of you've called it, and you know, it's again, it's important, I think, to sort of say that there's no there's no sort of direct criticism of TAs in any of this. This is this is the, in a sense they're sort of a bit like the, the, the children with this. You know, they're kind of caught in the crossfire a little bit because of the way we, the, the road that we've gone down, the way we've started to sort of set things up, and the way that those things get maintained. So. You have extremely well, well-meaning and often you know, quite well-trained people in, you know, in SEN, types of SEN and so on, working with children who struggle to access learning, often have difficulty paying attention, accessing the, the teaching. Um, so lots of um, confounding factors in, in terms of how they, will, they can make progress in, in, in a lesson compared to other children. So... The common sense um, you know, logic is, well, let's give those children just more adult support because that's going to help them. Um, but actually, really, the quality of that support is, it really matters. So in the, the DIS project, which is the research that you know, when I started at the IOE, that we, that I, the project that I began on, was the, was the one that sort of um, was quite a, I suppose... I mean, it's, it's probably not unfair to say it was a bit of a landmark study, particularly in the sort of in in the sort of the SCN 
um, arena. Listen, man, be proud of your work, sorry. John Deere. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great study. Sorry. Carry on. I love that. Go on. Well, <laughs> um, but the, yeah, the findings of it were it, it were they were unavoidable. You know, in in as much as it, it was a large scale large scale project. It was you know, very um, took six years to complete. Yeah. Um, across seven different year groups in primary and secondary settings, and what was what was found was very consistent. The kids who had the most support from TAs did less well compared to kids who had little or no support. And that was um, we found that in English and maths and science uh, very consistently. Um, and even after controlling for the factors that we know affect attainment, so it wasn't the fact that these children, some of these children, had SEN or the level of SEN or prior attainment or measures of deprivation, free school measures, all of those things that we know affect attainment. So, um, it wasn't anything to do with that. It, it turns out as well it's got, it hasn't really got anything to do with the TAs either, which is why we're sort of, we, we sort of say they're, they're, all, they're both sort of caught in, in the crossfire. Actually, it's the, the way we've set it up um, with, you know, in this, as I say, it's a very well-meaning way where, where, where the kids that struggle most will get more adult attention. Actually, it wasn't... The, the schools aren't making the best use of that adult attention and or that extra support. And actually what TAs are doing when they're working with, with children is um, much more about completing the task and completing it correctly than it is about learning. So actually the you know to the to you're just walking into a classroom and kind of seeing it, you might think this is working well, but actually at quite a fine level, there's a child who is um, you know, their learning is, is being affected um, you know, by, the, by the very intervention that's supposed to help them keep pace with their peers. Mm. So the DIS project's kind of like laid that out there and then the, the work that we've done subsequently with the children um, with statements through, the, the, you know, through, through that work was really to kind of drill down into what's going on for the kids with statements because those negative, that negative relationship between the amount of support kids are getting and their, their, their progress over a year is actually worse for those children. So the average effect is in a negative direction. And it's the, in a lot of cases, the, it's a, quite a non-trivial in, you know, effect. You know, you were talking in old money, you know, one or two sub-levels of, of progress being mm. the difference. So wh- but, why but, is that? And like, what, can, what can schools do? Because you know, we have this resource, so I don't think mm. TAs are really going to go anywhere. Um, and if they're used properly, perhaps they can make a really important difference. So, you know, I know that um, EEF study, the, <laughs> the kind of effect by the TAs was quite, it was damning as well, saying that it didn't really make any difference having TAs. Yeah. But maybe it's to do with how they're used, yeah. which is what you're talking about. Really. Yeah, I mean, the, the EEF stuff is, it was interesting in that they were looking at, I mean, a, a lot of the DIS project features quite large in that assessment, but also in there is... Um, uh, studies that have looked at what TAs are, are doing when you train them to deliver intervention programs, mm. and actually, um, it's why the the, the, the EF um, toolkit is an interesting start conversation starter on this because um, the effects of the impact on attainment of TAs delivering intervention programs is consistently positive. It's really good. The even the, the seven or so interventions that the EF have funded over the last five years, is it? Five, six years. Um, return a positive finding, two, three, four months of additional progress. There's something really quite remarkable going on here, um, which sort of needs to be, I think, um, 
you know, to sort of celebrate that and, and more people should know about it. So can you give an example of like a couple that people could uh, So there is one called Switched On Reading, mm-hmm. which um, is, uh, it draws on reading recovery. So that's sort of an intervention that's worked, um, uh, you know, proven to work. And, re- and uh, Switched On Reading is a, is a sort of a, a variation on that, which is designed with TAs in mind rather than teachers. And that's been shown to have uh, give several months additional progress to, to children, particularly um, those on free school meals. Mm. So those who are more disadvantaged, actually the effects are even greater. And there's, there's, a, there's, a, um, uh, there's one that came out last year for an online reading programme um, where they had a um, TA supported children on, a, on an online programme and an offline programme Actually, the, the difference there was quite interesting. The, the paper and pen version gave you an extra month's progress. It was like three months for the paper version, two mm. months for the online version. Um, so we're seeing some, across, yeah, from the early years to year seven, uh, these studies were done. And it's, they're not the only ones. You know, there are other studies. That, you know, and it's really consistently good. So this is for specifically for intervention. So you know, students, pupils are taken out for a particular amount of time a really targeted, focused uh, program is applied, then they return back to yeah. mainstream rather than, you know, what people often think of, which is kind of ongoing TA or mm-hmm. other adult support. Yeah. And that, not much of an end goal. Yeah, that's right. So it's the, so the, the unstructured stuff there, the, that's what the majority of TAs are doing the majority of the time. They're not always outside of the class to, doing interventions, which is where the interventions tend to happen. You know, they're not in the class, they're, they're away from it. Um, but when they're when they're in the class, which, as I say, is where, that's how we tend to think of that that job. Um, that's where the problems are, and that's really what the DIS project was looking at. So they sort of pushing beyond what the teaching and learning, learning toolkit would would tell you about TA. It's a very surface and shallow engagement with it, as you've su- suggested. Oh, high cost, low impact. <laughs> right. Yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> Spend the money on something else. You know, we've just been really... And I only say that because, you know, for many schools, that's the start of their engagement with research. And they'll read that and, you know, an SLT meeting will have it and talk about it for half an hour. And then that could be the basis of some school's uh, decisions. Yeah, some pretty seismic decisions get made off off the back of that. Um, I mean, it's interesting, just coming back to the the notion of, um, like, ability grouping, it's it's interesting that you will get... um, And we've heard of schools who have... Um, told us of other schools that they know, so it's always kind of second-hand information, <laughs> but they said, oh, so, so I know this school. And they saw that research, and they saw the EF research, and they, saw, and they got rid of half of their TAs, they got rid of all their TAs on the basis of that research. And yet you look at the research on ability grouping... Yeah, I know. And it's far more damning. <laughs> you know, why, you know, no, we're going to do that. You know, why, you know, we're not going to change that. So it's, 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 it tells you something interesting about the engagement that, that schools and school leaders have with research. But the, the, the um, I guess the, the you know, pushing beyond what the evidence says. So it's important to understand what the evidence says. So when I talk to head teachers and senkos and school leaders about this, you know, that's the kind of that's the starting point. You know, what have you heard? What do you think you've heard? Um, and if you are thinking or ever did think, oh, we, I might start to get rid of them then, or you know, that's the point at which we say, well, let's, let's stop and think really carefully 
about what happens if we go down that road. Because... So what you know, does happen upset, in your view? If, if you just pull them out. Yeah, so if, if a school leader um, was reading something and they was like, oh, you know, there's not much of an effect with regards to TAs, uh, let's get rid of them. <laughs> I, the first question has got to be, well, why is that? Why, why do you, why, it, or rather, so the research says that. So hold up your own practice against that, that research. Evaluate your, uh, and assess what you're doing at leadership level and at a classroom level against that evidence. You know, there are tools at which, with which you can do that. You know, we've been involved in developing some of them because we've seen a need for that. But the, the first thing you've got to, you can't just look at the research and think, well, that's happening, therefore the same must be happening in my school, without thinking, why is that happening? If that is happening, why is that happening in my school? And can we not do it better? Mm. You know, and that's where, that's where the it's called development part of the, the work has been, I think, quite, um, I think, essential, really, and it's filled a bit of a, filled a, bit of a gap, I think, um, a policy-shaped hole in a way. You know, there was no, there's been no policy or no du- policy direction on teaching assistance. And we know what schools are like; they tend to react to, you know, either what the DfE say or what Ofsted they think Ofsted are looking for. Mm. Those are the key drivers. Without that, yeah, it's not a priority. But you know, it's a, it's it's for, you know, it's a workforce issue isn't it? for for a school leader. I think you have got you know x number of people on your workforce who are working in these roles, and very often, particularly in primary schools, you'll have at least as many um, TAs as you do teachers. Quite often, yeah, I'm seeing that my own children. They um, so our girls are in reception, and in reception, uh, the TAs take small classes. Basically, um, I think it's part of a transition so that when they move from nursery school to school, mm. they're still used to small group classes. So to the kids, there's no distinction. It's kind of they they see them all as teachers, yeah. Um, yeah. but there's a teacher who's in charge of the overall thing, and they've each got five kids each that's there, whatever and they like. Special mm. group or something. There's a ratio, like that. Of, mm. yeah, and it has to. Yeah, I mean, it's we we tend to see, um, and this is reported to us by by schools and we that, that we work with that there is something quite interesting going on in the early years with the way they use TAs in a way which I think is 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 kind of if you distill the essence of what's going on, um, that's scalable throughout, you know, right up to to you know key stage four Mm. because what they're doing in 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 early years is um really two things i think they are they're they're really focusing on the the children's development and they're really interested in things like how the the children um act under their own steam and how they interact with others so they're interested in things like how independent the children are you know, and they're partly interested in that because the, the because of the the observations and the the observational data that they collect on the the children's part of the assessment um, profiles, and at its and we think that's 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 something that school leaders should be looking for. You know, how can how can TAs continue to support children's uh, you know young people's independence? their ability to manage their own learning, regulate themselves in a group, work as, as a group, um, and feed back those useful observations to teachers. Um, you know, part of the real value of TAs, I think, is you know, they are an extra pair of eyes and ears yeah. in, in the class. And not just to kind of tell the teacher who's, 
off task and who's not, but to feed back stuff which is the fuel for for yeah, for the next learning, for the next tasks and everything. And that's where I think that's where the value is. And you just have to sort of work out then what that looks like in your context. So um, and, and that, I think, is part of the essentialness of, of what TAs are doing, that if we take them out of the system, um, we, you know, we're missing something potentially, potentially very rich and useful. Um, and as I say, it's, it's the, the, the deployment decisions that are made about TAs are the problem here, yeah. not decisions that they're making and taking and, and carrying because you know, they don't really have the... Have their hands on those kind of levers? No, of course not. And I think about um, so, as a classroom teacher, I've been somebody who's used TAs excellently and also atrociously, <laughs> and I'm the same person. <laughs> and partly, you know, from a classroom teacher's point of view, especially in secondary, mm. it might just be that you don't always have the same TA with the same class all the time. Um, so mm. when I know that I've had the same TA and I've knew they're going to be for all these lessons, mm. then I'm able to plan with yeah. them and then let them know things in advance. Like mm-hmm. I had a TA that was excellent and I used to basically send them our whole lesson, a whole week's planning and she'd know what was going on and we worked really well together. And um, other times it's kind of, uh, maybe I got somebody once a fortnight and I have those kids for mm-hmm. six lessons and I forgot what time they were going to come or whatever it is. And that's mm-hmm. not their fault. That's just how it is for the timetabling. Um, and, you know, I, I've sometimes the thing that always surprised me is not the TAs themselves, but actually seeing uh, pupils... And the way they, they themselves change in different ways. So, for the first term or so, they might not have a TA because the timetable hasn't been done or whatever. And my experience of them is a particular way. And then suddenly there's a TA there, and they don't know how to. They suddenly forget how to pay attention to what's going on in the lesson. They suddenly ask the TA all the questions when actually they're perfectly fine working out themselves. It's like they outsource their thinking yeah. <laughs> to a TA, yeah. and it's kind of that's not the TA's fault. The TA is going to be there and try and respond to what they think their job is and do something useful. Mm. But um, you know, that's how do you sensitively deal with something like that? So sometimes, if it's a TA I know well, I'll just be like, oh, you know, can you make sure that you just only answer the kids' questions. Don't mm. tell them anything because don't let them be lazy. Um, they can yeah. perfectly well do this thing themselves. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's kind of, yeah. that kind of thing is quite a sensitive thing because you want to support another adult in the classroom. They're just trying to do their job. But yeah. at the same time, sometimes the kids get into a way of being because they think this is what the TA's job is for them. It's yeah. like their job is not to think for you. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. There was, um, there's a couple of little examples in the that we picked up in the um, in the sense project of just uh, of things like that, and one that one that kind of sticks in the mind was, um, and I think this was described by a teacher or a senko of um, the that there, there happened to be a couple of children in the in the class with um, with quite high level SCN, and when the TA when they saw the TA come into the room. They would look for the nearest empty chair and pull it towards them. And it was the way this was described was almost like an automatic response. You know, so if, if 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 anyone else had walked into the room, they wouldn't have looked for a chair. And it's sort of it, it tells you something about perhaps what they have grown up with and what they've come to expect. So support tends to it doesn't tend to get sort of dialed down or wound back in, in, in a lot. It tends to get maintained. So you, you may have fewer hours the older you get on, but, but you know, you'll still have some, or quite mm. a high amount. 
and it just just for me it just sort of suggested the you know there's there's a long history here probably for some of these children where you know like you said they, they they'll see the extra adult in the room and they'll think here comes help and you know the, you know, one of the first things is what can that adult do for me and probably a lot of that thinking isn't even that conscious it's just yeah but it's 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 just a something that may sort of indicate a longer history of something and a a tendency towards this learned helplessness. Mm. So that's, that's definitely a, a scene within the research on this, is that the more um, support kids and the longer kids have from tears and the longer they have it, the more likely they have this um, learned helplessness. And your, 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 your comment about outsourcing the learning is one that I use as well because you... you 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 kind of hear it and you see it. You know the small sort of indicators of, um, you know the, the you know the language about you know what can, you know, how much of this can I get done? And you you hear it in the TAs as well. Um, you know then you get into these kind of negotiating strategies of you know I'll well you write the first letter of the first word and then I'll do all the rest of it for you. And it's coming from a very well-meaning place because they want children to experience success and they want them to so we don't doubt the intention of the problem is that that happens at the expense of learning and if that's happening in year nine and it happened in year eight and in year seven and in year six and in year (laughs) 11 we're expecting them to take we're expecting them to sit in you know an underventilated gym on a stifling june afternoon for for three hours (laughs) and write a you're right. Yeah, these are. You, you know, if that's, you think of that almost as an as an end point or a staging post. You know, what is it we need to do to get those young people ready? Actually, for I said two hours. Just two hours plus extra time. So yeah, three yeah. hours. <laughs> yeah, hooray for access arrangements. <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> so we've spoken a little bit, kind of peppered throughout the conversation about what schools can do to use TAs effectively, because you know, sadly, a lot of practice is not that effective, but it's not necessarily the TA's fault. Mm. Um, and it's more to do with what our own expectations are uh, and what has always, always happened. So if you were to say one or two things that you know, a class teacher or a school leader or, or you know, even a TA, I, I'm not saying a TA because often the TAs sadly are not in the position to make these things happen. That's right. That's yeah. why I'm specifically yeah. saying a school leader yeah. or even a class teacher. I, you know. I would start with schoolies. In fact, that's mm. that's that's where we start. You know, so the so the work that we've sort of the development mental work that we've done um, is uh, you know we have this maximise the impact of teaching assistance um, program um, where we, you know, we 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 specifically work. You know, we want to work with school leaders because you know, all the evidence says you know it's. it's if we're going to get some real changes, we need to start. You need to understand what the issues are and how you can affect mm. things differently. Um, and when we begin with them, we talk about, you know, we get them sort of assessing their own practice, which I mentioned earlier on. But the, you know, one of the, 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 the things we really get them thinking about, and almost like an anchoring point for everything that they are examining about their own practice and where they go next, is how are they using TAs in ways that supplement teaching and not replace teachers? And that is essentially what that that's the thing that should be the guide. I think you know, where the, the problems be, um, we see the problems where schools are using TAs in ways that just replace the teacher as a substitute for the teacher, while 
and, and not really doing anything else. You're not preparing the TAs for that or doing any kind of structural organisational things that might make that okay, mm -hmm. training for the TAs and everything. So we really, we start from that point, really. What does inclusion mean to you? Um, it means, I think it means fairness. I think it means, um, I think it's, you know, I think this has been, I, don't, I can't remember who, who said it and whether they were referring to education, probably was more sort of general point about society, that, you know, you can tell a lot about a society or an education system by what it does and how it looks after its yeah, most vulnerable. And if you look at where we are, you would kind of question that we don't, we're not there yet. There's still some way to go. And, I th and for me, you know, inclusion is about working towards a better, um, a better outcome where we can actually say we can judge an education system in a much more favourable light because it, it, it treats its, its most vulnerable um, you, you, in a much fairer way, in a much more equitable way. And, you know, they're not as... Their, their lives, their outcomes, their mental well-being is not as precarious as it is now. Mm. You know? So I think it's it's about it's about you know it's about equalising things. So if you know on the basis of what we found in our research, if you know the kids with with SEN are getting less time with the teacher compared to average attaining kids, that's not educationally fair. You know, we need to level that up. Mm. No, I think that's a really important point for people to remember that it's kind of actually we should be doing the most we can for our most vulnerable students um, and if they're not getting, uh, you know, they should be getting more time with a teacher, not less, <laughs> in a way, <laughs> yeah. actually to, to, to equalise it and to give them the uh, fair outcomes, they should actually get in more time with the best teachers, which yeah. we all know does not happen. Yeah, um, you know, in a wider landscape where you've got things like grouping by a bit of setting by ability and you kind of, well you know there's something to be said for attending to that as well as well as the stuff we're talking about with TAs as well as what we're talking about with teachers so I think that's another an interesting um, uh, thing around the teaching and learning toolkit is it's it, I think it's one of its um, unintended consequences perhaps is that it might force school leaders to look at the evidence on one thing without thinking about, well, how do these things interrelate? And if I change something here, do I need to change something there? Mm. So it's maybe, a, maybe something in there for our relationship with, with evidence, how we read it, how we engage with it. It's there's a lot to be done around that, actually. Like, yeah. um, you know, when I was talking to Kat, that was an interesting point that we were talking about in terms of it's great that people are more research-engaged, yeah. but what if yeah. the research challenges what you've done for many, many years? Or what about, you can't just take cherry pick certain yeah. bits maybe you need to be critically looking at what it means yeah. for, for practice and so on not making knee-jerk decisions so there's a lot around it um, it's good that people are looking but there's yeah. more to it absolutely yeah these are good these are good kind of conversations that we're having but they need to um, uh, you know we kind of need to take it further into the uncomfortable places Ooh, the uncomfortable places. The uncomfortable places. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great place to end it. And my final question is not at all related to TAs. Is tell me about Shed Seven. Why <laughs> Shed Seven? <laughs> so the background for this uh, question is because um, I, when I was looking at your kind of Twitter profile, I noticed Shed Seven, and I had to dig into the reserves of my my teenage <laughs> brain. <laughs> like, and there they were, a group from the nineties. Yeah. 
say, tell me, when did you first hear them? Um, in late 93 or 94. So I just, uh, yeah, I, um, I remember hearing them and I was kind of a, quite obsessive at that point. I, yeah, I would ta- tape anything off the radio. And this <laughs> really, you know, I had, you know, home taping um, is very naughty. Don't do it, kids. Don't do it. But, um, uh, yeah, so, I, 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 yeah, it, it's... I don't know why. I think there's a um, that, that 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 kind of really engaged me at the time, as all that kind of sort of music did, you know, Oasis and all the rest of it. When hey, remember when Oasis were good? Um, <laughs> and I loved all of that. And I think I and I saw them three times within about seven months. I think after that, and um, I have from one of those. From one of those gigs at the Joiner's Arms in Southampton, I have a set list framed, hanging up in my shed <laughs> at home where I work when I'm working at home in my shed. Shed seven in the shed. Love and that. yes, yes, it does have a shed. It does have a seven on the outside. <laughs> this is great. This is great. So yes, I have a I have my very own shed seven with my very own shed seven set list in it, and uh, I, d- I don't know. I think the appeal is um, there's something kind of quite honest about them. I don't think there's any sort of pretenses. So compared to Oasis, who were trying to rule the world at the time, I think they sort of embraced their the fact they were a little bit unfashionable. Uh, but they made a virtue of it, and I think that continues to be part of the appeal. Rob, thank you. It's been a very enjoyable discussion, really interesting stuff. Pleasure. So I'm going to um, sign off now, but yeah, shed some for everyone. <laughs> yeah, new album out, 10th of November. <laughs> hey, people. I love making this podcast. If you enjoy listening to it as much as we enjoy making it, there's a few things that you can do. One, subscribe. Press the subscribe button on iTunes or wherever you listen to it. Two, share. Share this episode with somebody who you know will find it interesting or is affected by the specific issues covered. Three, review. Write a review or leave a comment. Also feel free to contact us via the links on the show notes. Thanks a lot. Bye.